Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 1420 Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? You know, I'm doing great. We we pre-funked a little bit. We've been drinking White Claw. No laws when you're drinking the claw. You, you know, I've never tried this stuff before. Me either. This uh, is my first my first White Claw experience. Mine too. Uh, mostly because I'm a former Anheuser-Busch employee. And um, this was a big competitor of ours. Um, mm-hmm. And I have, so recently as this week, made fun of uh, friends for drinking White Claw. <laughs> and uh, I owe an apology tomorrow. Yeah, you do, because it's fantastic. This black cherry, I just cracked a black cherry. Ooh. I just cracked a uh, ruby grapefruit. We'll see how this is. All right. I feel a little bit like... Uh, oh, it's delightful. I feel a little bit like a basic bitch drinking White Claw. Oh, we definitely are. But it's only, it's you're on keto. We're drinking carbs. White Claw. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't get any more basic than that. Two grams of carbs, a hundred calories. I could drink twelve of these things. I feel like I want to put my UGG boots on. I'm put wearing on my UGG shirt boots and just yeah, get a PSL in the morning. Andrew, how how are you? I'm good. I am worn out. My body's kind of exhausted. It's been a very uh, physically exerting week. But I'm telling, like, I'm gonna find my second wind because Friday night I'm gonna leave from work. I'm gonna go hunt for the weekend, and it's gonna be terrific. I cannot wait. Uh, my hunting partners uh, did bag an elk on Friday, which I was super excited for them and simultaneously really disappointed for me for not having been able to be there and sharing that experience with them. Was this Nate? Yeah. I saw his picture. Yeah. yeah. It's a good elk too. And it's a long hike. I know exactly where they killed that elk and I'm not envious of the uh, multi-mile, like thousand plus foot elevation gain. It's gnarly. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there for that part, but I'm disappointed. I got to, I missed out on the experience. So yeah. But that being said, you can't go on. You got a podcast to record, my friend. And I will be back in time for it. I will be uh, still stinky and probably still in first light. And that's okay. Well, uh, I'm also tired for for different reasons. Nothing physical, just moving. I was in California. Not moving to California. No, no, no. In motion. Physically moving around the country. Uh, uh, In California, I spent some time just just a bit north of here this weekend and it's just been you know sleeping in hotels and brutal so i'm also tired but i got a good night's sleep last night i woke up and i felt invigorated and ready to to record a podcast because i've been so excited about this one me too and i have so many questions (laughs) (laughs) so we actually have as per the usual we've got a guest on the line here per the now the new usual per the new normal you guys don't have to deal with just me and ever anymore we, we've got a guest on the line. We've got Jeremy Burlingame of Goodspeed Watches. Woo! Jeremy, hey how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're, Sounds like you're tired and excited. And yeah, the whole suite of yeah. emotions. Right. Yeah, it's good. All right. On a on a side note, are, what are you drinking right now? If you are or are not, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually have a. I'm. It's a Pacifico, right? This second but earlier it was a Sierra Nevada. So which Sierra Nevada? Um, it was the, uh, torpedo. Good call. Oh yeah. That's yeah, a good one. Heavy, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm yeah. a big fan of the OG green label Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The pale ale. Yeah. So now, now you're well, actually pretty close to those guys, right? Yeah. Chico's not too far from here. We're they're about an hour and a half or so north of us. So I'm in Sacramento. Um, so, um, yeah, so then we have the kind of the full line of all the, the, um, their beers and in the rest in the grocery stores and stuff. So. Do they have cool special releases that are local market only? I think they probably do. I mean, you know, they did, you might have known about the disc special release after the paradise fire that kind of destroyed the entire town. Um, they did a special release for that. And um, they actually shared the recipe with a bunch of other breweries and then donate all the profits to, relief efforts and, and that sort of thing. So there's a, there's that. And that was really hard to get a hold of, um, but I actually did get a bottle. So And, know, and good, good, I assume. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was very good. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, there are, even if it wasn't, I mean, come on. They're a pretty right. en- environmentally conscious company, I think, right? They were one of the first breweries in the U.S. to go zero waste. Uh, zero, I think that sounds right. Zero mm-hmm. emissions. They sort of capture their CO2 and... You went to... Still family-owned, too. Yeah. Um, they're still family owned. I think at one point 
and Heiser Bush tried to buy him for some ungodly amount of money, and they said no. They were like, yeah, a few companies survived that, and uh, right, they're they're still killing it. Right. Yeah. I, I have to yeah. say, I'm I'm only recently, uh, as I'm sure you heard, I'm a former Anheuser Busch employee. I'm only recently mm-hmm. rewarming up to uh, non Anheuser Busch beers. Okay. There's a lot of okay. a lot of ill will. He, he drank the Kool Aid. <laughs> I, well, right. I mean, they paid my bills, so they kept right. the lights on. Sure. So I will pimp Bud right. Light until the day I die because they kept my lights on for several years. Right. Right. I understand. And because it's a damn fine drinking beer. It's drinking beer. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, well, Jeremy. So. You, you, your company is Goodspeed Watches. Yeah. Tell us about it. Who are you? Yeah, what so, are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started Goodspeed. I, you know, I'm not the first guy to start kind of a vintage motorsport chronograph watch brand um, that borrows on styles from the 60s and 70s. Um, but I think we're, the reason why I wanted to start Goodspeed was because I wasn't super enthusiastic about all the other offerings that were out there um either they were i don't know a little garish in my opinion with like green starburst dials and matching bezels or they were six hundred dollars for a quartz movement and it was kind of like i don't know i don't know about that um so really i wanted to watch for myself and kind of with the hopes that it would resonate with everybody else um that there were other people like me who kind of wanted a watch that had some vintage look to it but modern components at an affordable price um so that's you know that's where kind of the idea started from and uh so the the sonoma is coming out next uh it's three weeks from yesterday actually this uh, kickstarter will start so well and um, and you know so these guys are going to be hearing this on october 3rd that's true we're going to be releasing right. on so October 3rd. Four days 3rd. from now. That, that's right. So in exactly four days from right now when four, you're hearing four this. Four days from now. Yes. Uh, you'll be up. Four but, days. But we are. We're, we're, we're back in time a few, a few that's weeks. That's right. That's uh, right. So, but the, and so the Sonoma, I guess, is theoretically your inaugural watch, although it's not your inaugural watch. You, you had another right. watch that went to Kickstarter. Uh, so tell, mm-hmm. us, tell us about uh, that. Yeah. You know, I think I learned a lot from so the first watch we had out. It was about almost a year ago, almost a year ago. Exactly. Uh, I believe the Kickstarter went live on the petrol on October 19th. Um, and it was surfboard style kind of Yima rally graph and um, um, infused design. And, um, you know, I think I learned a lot. It wasn't successful. It didn't hit the goal. Um goal i think i'd set was in the 20 low twenty thousand range at one point hit up to i think sixteen thousand dollars so we were about 5k short of the target and um uh so i learned actually quite a few things about mm, rolling out a watch i mean i think that one of the challenging things about probably starting any company but you know i think especially for starting a watch brand is there's like a lot of different jobs and a lot of different hats you have to wear. And each hat is like its own career that people specialize in, you know, photography, product design, marketing, sure. um, you know, <laughs> sourcing, sourcing from either uh, external vendors and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think kind of the petrol was a good stomping grounds of how to kind of initiation into all of that. And I hope, um, that I've learned a, quite a bit from that experience and, and, um, and with the Sonoma, I'm kind of making some changes. So um, one of those examples would be the amount of options and kind of uh, the product, kind of varying the product to the different types of consumers that exist out in the world. Um, so with the Sonoma, we have the mechanical movement and also a course movement because there's going to be people who, don't care about the movement and they just want a cool looking watch and they want the best price they can get. And then there's folks who wouldn't ever buy a quartz watch because it's a sin to them and it has to be (laughs) automatic or mechanical or die. And, um, you know, it doesn't, it like lacks a soul if it doesn't have gears in it. And, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's kind of a piece of, um, kind of a holdover for something that I, 
picked up from the the petrol so um yeah yeah I love all that. One of the the things you said is that you you want to design a a watch for yourself, and that seems like such a, a that's such a common thread in some of the best watches that we see get released from small brands and from startup brands is people just pouring their passion for something that they want to do because there's just no way you are the only person who wants that. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that shows in, yeah. in, in these, in, in small brands and especially like your, like, like yours. When I, when I saw the, the petrol, I, I was in love. My, my first thought was, okay, it didn't get funded, but how many of them are there and how do I get one? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So to, to take it back, sorry, I, I know we, mm-hmm. we, we move forward a little bit, but I want to go back. I want to, yeah. I want to learn more about what is Goodspeed Watches? Is it just you? Do you have a team? Do you collaborate with folks? I want to I want to learn a little bit more about about you and your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it is just me. Um, I mean, for the most part, you know, I have some buddies who, you know, are kind of like an inner circle where I'll bounce ideas off of when it comes to logo placement and fonts and that kind of stuff. I'll send them renders and say, what do you think of this or that? Um, uh, but for the most part, you know, kind of the buck stops with me and, and, um, and uh, however, I'll say that I've really, um, more so than any other platform, like Instagram has been a great way, almost as this like huge focus group to get fairly real time feedback on, something whatever it may be so you know i after the petrol didn't fund i kind of like thought well maybe this isn't gonna maybe this isn't gonna work and um and and then the weather started getting sunnier and i started thinking well i don't know that with that came kind of a new sense of optimism and um i started designing and kind of mocking up what the sonoma would look like and um you know that's when i put up those first renders um back in back in mid-may or so and you know got like a huge response you know like a bunch of comments and uh likes from from everyone who already knew of me from from the petrol and um so that kind of was a great uh, feedback loop on this is a you know this could be a winning combination of looks and price and and all that stuff so so you're doing instant feedback market research on your renderings and is is that is that what I think I understood? Like, yeah, okay. I mean, basically, I mean, I only posted the one version, but a good example of the feedback is so. Originally, I created the kind of the silver case with black bezel and thought, okay, that's cool. Um, let's also offer uh, a PVD version because I had a a Hoyer ref, reference twelve watch with the PVD case, and it was really cool. So okay, let's throw it back to the PVD. You don't see that a ton anymore. And that's um, one of these Gen 3 Octavias, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, so we did that. And then I thought, well, Pepsi bezels are cool. So let's do a silver case with a Pepsi bezel. And I put those three renders up on Instagram. And um, one of the first comments was, you know, it'd be cool if you did the black case with also Pepsi bezel. And it was like, oh, duh. I mean, okay, yeah, that makes sure. Why not? We'll do four. Then they have the two of the same case color, two of the same bezel color. Color that that makes sense. Why didn't I think of that? Um, so and it, you know, and that it helps a, with practical things like MOQ, I would imagine as well. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, it does. Um, so you know that that was a kind of a piece of how I'm leveraging this watch community to help influence design decisions. Um, and then there, and then there's kind of a point in time though where designing a watch is not like a Wikipedia page where everybody gets to have feedback into the outcome because at the end it might look like a bunch of mess, garbage of a watch, you know. Sure, or um, you're just going to wind up with a with a sub homage, a, a black on black sub homage. Yeah, right. Sure, which would yeah, be cool. Exactly. Right. But, so, um, so yeah, I mean, so, you know, like. Like two weeks ago, I got like, oh, you should change the font. It's like, mm, the font's kind of a done deal. Like, um, you know, unfortunately, that's really not going to change at this point. Um, and, and, and I uh, assume font, there's, so, there's so little font on here. Who's that? That's right, such a. Right. <laughs> and right. I assume you like the font. 
Yeah, I thought it looked cool. You know, one of the things I wanted to do was, especially with the script on the good speed, was um, just to kind of make it a little bit more artistic than informational, if that makes sense. And um, and so that's why, you know, I chose that uh, that scripted font to kind of show the brand. Um, well, and, yeah. and we're going to have a whole bunch of questions about your design, too. So I think... Sure. Uh, I'd like to get into just a little bit more. So we've talked about Goodspeed. Yeah. We talked about the petrol. I'm but... sorry, I have one more. Oh man, yeah. I, I yeah. and I have this. He does this. What do you? What training do you have? Like, what do you do for a living? Because I assume this isn't your full time job. That you're able to. That this is able to be the product of your brain. That's the question I was going to yeah. ask. No, it's not. It's the question <laughs> I was going to ask. No, it's not. All right. <laughs> well, Jeremy. um. I have no formal training in design or watch horology or any of that stuff. Um, I, uh, I do have, I have an MBA degree. I got a psychology degree undergrad and then I went and got an MBA degree. Um, okay. So you're Boston, like us, Boston university. Yeah. And, uh, cause an, uh, undergrad in psychology pays almost nothing. Did um, you say you got your MBA from BU? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right, so you're, you're a, you're one of the smart people. <laughs> well, well, I, yeah, it was, it, it went okay. Um, it, uh, so we moved over there, um, lived in Boston for a couple of years, experienced, uh, white, whiteouts and real weather, I guess they'd say, uh, all four seasons. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it, it quickly is, um, I'm from California, Northern California. So, um, I know what, you know, sunshine looks like and I like it. And, um, <laughs> so we moved, yeah, we moved back and uh, my wife and I, and, um, and so I've been in, um, healthcare actually for the last maybe seven years as an, in a you know, product, uh, improvement, performance analysis, um, kind of, um, capacity. So, so and are, not you on the, are you on the supply side then you're, you're, you're in the, in the hospitals or are you in, uh, in insurance or. So originally I started in the hospitals um, and I worked for UC Davis and their patient satisfaction department. Um, I was kind of the entire department. And, um, and then uh, after that, just went over to the insurance side. You know, we, what we notice is these folks that get into watches, typically the, the jobs they have are not are, are not jobs. I mean, some people, but by and large, we we find that people are like, I was doing this thing that had nothing to do with watches, but but I had this passion, and there was a void, and I was gonna fill it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big piece of it. I think, um, you know, I think uh, having kind of an outlet is a good thing, and I think that may be a piece of what's going on. Obviously, I was kind of a watch nerd, and really, it really does come down to I just wanted to watch that I wanted to wear that wasn't super pricey, that wasn't super lame and like nothing against any brand. And I won't like call anybody out, but no, let's like call them brands out. That... We got to burn some people here. <laughs> right. Right. Um, there's like brands that like they're cool watches, but I don't think I would wear it. Like it looks neat, but I don't think I would wear it. I say um, that all the time on here. Yeah. So, you know, I just wanted a watch that I would wear and, um, um, so that's kind of what kind of started all off and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting, it's been fun and, um, and we'll kind of see, we'll see, uh, what happens in a few days. And so we talk a lot about, uh, I mean, our, the emphasis of our show is affordable watches, right? So mm -hmm. I think that usually means watches that are at or around a thousand or less, Mm -hmm. um that sure. that's sort of the you know the quote unquote affordable price yeah. range i think um but you're making watches that are that are actually really really affordable yeah so so how so well, i mean how a how difficult is that and b how did you how did you get to where you are in terms of pricing and i imagine your margins are razor thin so can you talk a little bit about how you got to your price and and how that works for you and your business yeah um yeah margins are razor thin yes um you know um i mean part of it is i'm hoping to make i mean part of it is it is this i 
thought the petrol was going to work and it was going to work out and I was going to sell, you know, I had limited supply quote at 1500 watches. Okay. So I thought I was going to sell a lot of those watches. Um, and that didn't happen. And, and at that point I, I really thought, well, this is, mm, I guess this is over. Um, I guess that's it. And, um, and so I gave up, I didn't like monitor, I didn't look at Instagram for six months after that. And uh, it was about that point that I started getting back into it and thinking like, well, you know, I think there's still something here. I still had like almost none of my followers left, even though I hadn't posted anything in six months. And um, so part of the pricing uh, to get to the question about the Sonoma is pricing to establish the brand and to, um, you know, establish who we are in the market, create a, a watch that um, people want to buy that is affordable. And they say, well, at that price, how can I not buy two? Um, sure. So that's, that's a piece of it. I think, you know, if, if so, pr we are limiting uh, supply to 400 on the courts and 400 on the mechanical, regardless of any color variance within um, those two buckets. Um, but, you know, at that level, it'll be enough money that I can, it's worth my, you know, passion to kind of fulfill and do all this fun stuff like designing watches, but not so much that I can like quit my job and retire to Costa Rica or anything like that, you know, like, um, it's sure. just enough. So it makes it kind of worth it to, to do a, another watch, um, or to bring back the petrol next year, uh, in some kind of limited capacity and, and that sort of thing. So, um. So yeah, and you know, another piece of it is really looking at where I can cut costs uh, and do kind of everything myself and not outsource every component of watch production and design and everything. So not outsourcing the photography, not outsourcing the marketing. Um, you know, I have lots of folks contact me to say, oh, we can help you launch your Kickstarter. It'll just be a... Uh, 30% of total profits and $5,000 down up front. It was like, mm, sorry, that's like completely outside the budget. Um, I won't make that much money on everything. Um, that, that is my margin. Right. I mean, we'll yeah, do it for 25 plus, and 4,000 down. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, that was a piece of it too, was to really strip back everything that was going to cost to produce this watch and to market it. So it's not like a tree falling in the woods um, with no one listening and um, but doing it. So it was still, but still trying to be effective at the same time. So there's like kind of a, a yin yang thing that's going on there. Um, well, and so with so, regards, with regards to the Sonoma, um, yeah. well, well first and, and something I wish it would have done earlier, but uh, assuming at this point, people are like, all right, I, I'm meeting Jeremy. I'm, I'm happy to hear about him. This sounds super interesting. Where, where if folks at this point are trying to pull up your pictures, how can they find you on, on Instagram and, and what's your website? Yeah. So Instagram is at good speed watches. And the website is www.goodspeedwatches.com. Piece, um, so piece of got, cake. Yeah, pretty simple. Um, got everything up, um, up up there for the most part. And, and, um, and so mm -hmm. in terms of pricing on the Sonoma, you've got the two models. Yeah. You've got a quartz model and, and you've got a mechanical. Uh, the, quartz, the quartz model has which movement? It's a Miyota 6S21. So 6S21, and so, then you've got the ST1901, I think, in your that's mechanical. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. I yeah. love that diversity, by the way. That was one of the first things I said as I was looking at these, I, that I absolutely love that you gave consumers that option. And so where are yeah. we Where are we with pricing in those, on those two? Yeah, sure. So the pricing is going to start. Um, we're doing this like three-tier kind of bracket system the watches are all i've had some people ask me because i guess the tier sounds like different things and I, I tell them it's the same watch in every tier quote tier um the only difference is the price so the idea is you, you know you get in earlier you get to be a better price than if you get in later so um the first tier it's limited 35 watches of quartz 35 mechanical it's 135 quartz 275 Ooh. mechanical free yeah. worldwide shipping um with that price yeah that is 
insane. That's yeah, that's insane. I, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, I mean yeah. it's just a crazy good deal. I think you you said earlier I wanted to be able to price these watches at a level where people thought. I'd be silly not to buy that. And I think we're, I think you're there. That was literally the thought that I had when you said those prices. I need to buy two yeah. of each. 135 right. is like, uh, is like Macy's counter Timex prices. Right. Right. That's, yeah. And I mean, if you look, so going back a little bit to trash talking, this watch is made the exact same factory that some other very popular micro brands are made at. It's the same place. There's another brand, it's the same um, Miyota movement. They're charging 300 for the courts. Um, so, I mean, I think ours look cooler. So, um, you know, that's the only place I didn't scrimp on. You know, the photos mostly are done by myself. The website completely done by me. The watch was not made in my basement um, by a non-watch guy. It's a really nice watch. Um, from a really great company it, so you know it's fantastic and so you sent us a copy of this and uh we took some pictures when we had it and and mm -hmm. and we're gonna not have this at the time this posts but we're gonna be, we're gonna book some pictures and we'll be posting them we've got a pvd version of the pepsi um of the pepsi mechanical so the mechanical pepsi pvd version and i i'm gonna just back up what you said because i think andrew and i were both you, you know we we don't we don't always know what to expect a lot of people send us watches some of them are listeners some of them are brands um and we don't always know what to expect sometimes watches totally underwhelm us and this happened a couple times um where we got it and we we're like that's fun and i'd wear that but it's underwhelming this is not that this is i think we probably both expected and I won't, i'll let andrew speak to his own um, opinion, but uh, I was actually pretty blown away um, at what you were able to do with your margins on this. the The level of finishing, you know, to do a good PVD finish too is is a challenge, right? Uh, which you probably know better than I do. Um, but the polish, the PVD application to the polish is perfect, uh, and the brush surfaces, the finish has got to be so good to get that PVD to lay well. And you totally nailed it here. And I know you didn't do it yourself, um, but sure. that those tolerances are are higher on a PVD watch. And I there's nothing here uh, that I can see that makes me think this was a, a a hastily crafted watch. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I yeah, will. You know, I you know I designed the watch, and it, the renders came out, and we you know worked with the the, the designers to to mock those up. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, but we'll see what the prototypes look like because, you know, it's one thing to draw a picture and it's another thing to make a watch. Um, and when I got them, I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty effing cool. Like this, um, okay, this could, this is a, this is a nice watch. I'll, I'll be happy to wear this and to rep this and, and to, um, you know, put my name on this. So. No, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So uh, there, there's some pretty obvious comparisons to make when we look at this, but there's also some uh, uh, so, some liberal use of artistic license on some of the specific elements here. So this is, in my mind, and you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, this is a a very um, a, a very sort of uh, oh, uh, uh, generous homage to that Gen three. Octavia case, um, that cushion case, totally different than the Octavia's before it. Uh, and, and this is clearly that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your design process in terms of making a watch that is obviously not, you know, you're not using the same dies or anything. How do you get there? What was your design process like? H how did you get to where we are looking at this watch in front of us right now? Yeah, you know, it, it, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely inspired by that Octavia in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't, I don't want to make, you know, there's some brands that are like an exact replica, except it's got a different brand name on it. I didn't want it to be exactly that, but I didn't want to take it, like, take a cool design and then, like, F it up and, 
and totally change it also so that it was like well you took like the worst parts of the original and then you bought you know that kind of thing so um so yeah you know there was actually i posted on my instagram too there was an octavia that actually came out um in the early 80s it, it was just before the tag acquisition and um it was called the Octavia Diver, and uh, I think the ref model reference was 11063P, and it has a lot of these same elements that I drew in. Um, the watch, there's some speculation about how rare that watch was, is um, Caliber 11, which is a fairly popular Hoyer mm, aficionado website claims there was only 10 of those made and that they were made by executives from leftover parts just before tag came in and like changed everything. Um, I don't know if that's how true that is, but um, anyway, so, you know, that's a piece, you know, there's a lot of kind of um, similarities between this and that watch. Um, but yeah, so making the changes to the watch and kind of designing, it was a really free flow process where it was like, you know, you go to, you know, for example, you go to like, I, I'm not going to invent a font. So go to a font website and you just start, you can type in the word that you want and it'll render that font in every single font that they have in their database. They have like 40,000 fonts in there. And you just scroll through until one looks like, oh, that's cool. Okay, I can see that being, okay. That could be the chronograph um, script at the bottom of the dial. All right. Um, and um, so that I mean that's kind of the process that I do, you know, went through um, with this watch, with the petrol, um, just going through font choices and, um, you know, choosing a choosing a hundred percent free font. You don't need to charge uh, licensing royalties for and uh, you can use for commercial use and, and all that. And um, how about and then just case design? Yeah. yeah how about case design? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think um, for the case, it was just, it was looking at those, it was looking at those, um, those vintage foyers and, and saying, I want something like this. Um, I personally, I mean, I wanted this watch to be in 42 millimeters as it is. And um, there's going to be people that go, that's cool, but you lost me there. The maximum I'll go is, I mean, I got this for the petrol too. They said, you're making a vintage inspired watch, but you're putting it into a modern case size and, and you lost me. And my response was that was kind of like half the point. Um, a little that's, bit like that's the balance to be struck when you're looking at vintage right. inspired watches is you, you, you right. have to find that vintage aesthetic, but also match it to the modern consumer. And, and Evan, I both are, are down with the 36 to 38s, but I think we're in mm -hmm. a minority in general watch consumers. Well, mm -hmm. and and yeah. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Speedmaster professional, mm. professional on my wrist right now <laughs> mm -hmm. that I had to get hit by a car to buy, but <laughs> yeah. I mean literally uh, in a crosswalk, people. Uh, but this is a watch that's virtually unchanged since uh, mm -hmm. you, you know since like the nineteen nineteen fifties, and yeah. um, it's forty two millimeters. I mean, these two are, are very comparable. What what was the size on that on that Gen three Octavia? Uh, I believe it was forty. Um, so sure so a little me. bit smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think um, you know, there's obviously there's going to be a there's going to be a case size that fits. I don't know. 60% of the population uh, fits in the sense of I will buy that and wear it. Um, and then there's going to be case sizes that are too small and there's going to be some that are too big. I mean, I've had, there was a person who commented on my Instagram and said, anything under 44 is for girls. It was like, okay, well, How big that's, is that guy? One, that's one opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, right. I mean, that's I've owned a Victa before and it was 50 millimeters. And um, honestly, I got more compliments on my 50 millimeter Invicta Pro Diver all gold watch than I did on then my Speedy Pro that I had um, before. So it's because it's a you know, sexy damn um, watch, man. And they're really right, expensive, was, and you got a good deal on it. And, and shout out to our, our good friend and listener, Oversteer, who wears nothing under 52 millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> I, right, I got to say, right. my, my first impression of it, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect out of this. Uh, I, I figured I would like it. I didn't 
expect that I was going to like it as much as I do. This, everything about it is right. And we've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah. Racing chronograph has to be sexy and it, nothing else. It doesn't, I, I don't even give a shit if it tells the time right. I just want it to look sexy. And I, and I if can, it's me, I'm not going to set it anyway. Yeah, right. And definitely not the date. Uh, I got to say, when I put this on, I'm, I know that my, my sex appeal increased tenfold. I fucking love this, man. Nice. Like the, nice. the PVD case with the Pepsi bezel is something that I don't know that I've, seen I, I can't think of anything immediately that comes to mind that i've seen before i love the way you executed it the way the colors work and one of the first things i i noticed when i got this home and i immediately broke out the camera and i started setting up the the little bit of dome that's in this crystal is incredibly reflective i have i have i don't know 75 pictures of me reflected in yeah. this in this uh yeah, crystal it's not Probably great it. It, it put yeah. Put four of them next to each other and try not to get every corner of your living room. Uh, it's very challenging. <laughs> that was uh, I was yeah I was rearranging the room behind me uh-huh. to to remove yeah. things that I didn't want in the photo, and I was like, this is insane. And so so never mind those just kind of cool factors, but everything about this watch is deliberate. It nothing about it feels haphazard. And whoever told you to change the font, tell them to eat one because this right everything about it is is so deliberate so well executed and it it comes together in this package that i you're right on when you say at the, at those pricing points people are going to feel silly to not buy one uh and and even at significantly more um i i think it do yourself a favor hit up kickstarter and see if you can get it on this tier 1 tier 2 or tier 3 and get this project funded because this is a watch that you're going to appreciate pictures of but until you see it in the metal it is you're you're not getting the full experience and i think you i think you're going to want to wear this watch so uh you, you know we try to be uh we try to be i think generally positive about the things we talk about and and we you know by and large we just are positive about them i think we we were very positive about this from the moment we got it in there you did make some design decisions here and i think some of them are going to raise the uh the neck beard, the watch neck beard. I don't know if you listen to Two Broke Watch Snobs, <laughs> but Kaz does a, a neck beard bit where he, you know, talks with a nasally watch nerd voice. There's some things that are going to frustrate the neck beards out there. Um, yeah. you, you know, and so I thought I might be asking you about that because they don't bother me. In fact, I think you made really good decisions here. But for, for instance, the bezel, uh, both the bezel and the insert are gmt style bezels and inserts and this is not a a gmt watch and in fact it's got a tachometer bezel but the split 50 50 insert is something that's attributable to a gmt design so so how did you how did you get right with those decisions on your in your head and you know for me i it, it might just be as simple as i like the way this looks and god bless you if that's your answer but would you would you speak on that just a bit yeah, sure. And it's not something I didn't hear comments about like, oh, why are you why are you showing uh, why are you showing a watch with a GMT bezel that is not a GMT? Um, yeah. Well, you know, actually this was a this was a piece of going back to that Instagram feedback loop. The the um, some of the original photos I sent to folks, the renders that just had the um, the black the black bezel. Um, some folks had commented that they would like to see a Pepsi version. And, um, and, you know, I kind of said, well, you know how easy it is to make a Pepsi version of this watch is like as easy as like snapping my fingers. I could give you a green version too, if you want that. Um, I mean, you know I mean? It's like, it's very simple. The bezels are just, you know, they're glued in place and it's, um, it's something that we can definitely do any color on. I thought the the Pepsi looked cool going back to, to that. And, um, folks were kind of asking for it. So it was like, all right, that's, that's fine with me. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have any qualms about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it did come back to that. That's a, that's a piece, um, that I have heard some flack about, um, not too much, but a, a little bit. Folks that's kind of said like, mm, 
well, I don't know. And I was like, well, you know, for the, for those folks, we got the black one. That's fine. Just buy the black and you can shut up and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shut <be> up. <laughs> that's what we tell. That's what we tell our people when they complain about us. Just shut up. I right, don't buy that one. We, buy the we, other one. We, so we do have this one on the leather yeah. rally strap and yeah. I've seen some photos of it on a beads of rice is that yeah. going to be a an option during the ordering yeah. process whether to go strap or bracelet mm. it's um every watch will get this the, the leather strap um and or you can order an additional you can order the bracelet for 45 dollars that's super reasonable that's that. that's cheaper than anything you'd get on strap code or whatever the the bracelet is <clears throat> i i i want to send the bracelet to somebody because um it, it's a little bit difficult because you know sizing and, and that sort of thing they can't mm -hmm. really wear it um it's not really easy to send to five different people because everyone will have different wrist size etc but um the bracelet's like really nice it's um super solid the clasp is pretty heavy duty um fold over clasp um the uh the outer links are brushed with the center rice links polished um it's all solid um stainless and and the pvd looks great and um yeah it's a great i think it'll be a great um I don't, you won't be dissatisfied if you order the bracelet. So there was a moment when you were saying every order comes with, and in my mind, that was an, about an hour long delay as I got <laughs> just, I almost overflowed with giddy where, where I, I hoped beyond hope that the next thing you were going to say was both. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I almost died right here in my seat. Um, <laughs> So this this leather rally that you have that we have is that your going to be your production? Are you making any tweaks to it? Because I see your signed buckle on it. Uh, I I dig the the leather strap on it. It, uh, but I so that that's my question. And then I I, I have a a brief follow up. Um, I mean, I think I think for the most part, I mean, I think the only thing that I would, um. So if you if you if you're paying very close attention to my Instagram or website, you'll see that there's two stitching colors. Um, there's a white stitching on the on the edge of the strap, and then there's a black stitching. Um, I think I'm leaning towards the black stitching exclusively. Um, I don't feel like that would uh, kill anybody. I think it matches. Um, you know, I think it flows with the, the look of the watch. Um, uh, that's I think that's all. I'll, What's your question? <laughs> That's what I ask him. What's your question? Uh, yeah. You, you know, uh, I, I, I think... I completely forgot. <laughs> I, I think that um, the decisions you made here are, are, all, are all really good. And, and we would never... I would never ask you to defend a decision. And I wasn't asking you to defend the, the, the choice of the bezel because I really like that. But if there's one misgiving I have... Um, oh, here it comes. If, there, <laughs> if there's one misgiving I have, it, it would be the use of the vintage loom. And, and I know this isn't this isn't designed by committee for you, and it wasn't designed by committee. Although you were proactive about your use of the um, your your use of social media to sort of influence your decisions, uh, was that a decision point that you had to make, or was it always vintage loom? Um, yeah, um, it was. In my mind, it was always there. Because, I mean, the ideal for me was who doesn't want an Octavia if it costs $135? Like, who would say no to that? No one would say no to that. Like, who? how could you? So, question. You, know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that was a piece of it. I think at this time, too, when this watch was, like, in the final stages of being designed, that new the thing that you're seeing like all over Instagram now, that Timex reissue, that was all over. The first versions had first come out. That, um, that Q Timex and, is what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people are going like gaga for that thing. Um, Absolutely apeshit. I think maybe that, maybe that had a kind of um, so, uh, subtle impression in my mind as well. But, but really it did come back to, you know, one of the things I like about vintage watches um is the way i mean it sounds stupid but the one thing i really like about them is the way they look 
And a part of that way they look is how they degrade and age over time. And, um, you know, I'm not going to uh, pre-age your, your Sonoma by like hitting it with chains and uh, tools <laughs> to put gouges in the case. You could charge almost a thousand dollars for that though. Right. I'm not going to like pre-age the PVD by taking 2000 grit sandpaper to the, the sides just so it kind of wears off a little bit. But, um, but I do, I, I personally, I like the way the vintage one looks. So, um, I feel like if it had a white, it would just look like an kind of like another watch. Yeah, um, I, I agree completely. And, um, this kind of is something are, a little different. We're split yeah. on this between Andrew yeah. and I, we're split on this. So I'm sort of anti aged loom, although I, I have a number of watches that use it. And, and, and I, and I really, I really appreciate your application here. Uh, but we're split. So just so you know, mm-hmm. 40 yeah. and 20 is not wholly negative about this. I'm just naturally inclined to be a little negative about it. So yeah, yeah, I dig fine. it. I, yeah. <laughs> well, well, great. So I, I think um, th- that's basically the watch. We're going to probably transition a little bit. I want to ask you one more question before we move on. And, and that is, it's got with, re- with regards to your pricing model. Do you think that the petrol in its initial Kickstarter was underpriced. And, and and if if you had charged more that you may have been successful in your initial offer. You know, I think my biggest I mean, maybe, but um my biggest takeaway, I think I had two major takeaways, maybe three, from the petrol. One was I think I split the market and I kind of was in a no man's land in the middle of a couple different markets. I mean, there's like, there's like five different watch markets in the watch market. You know, there's like people who won't spend less than a thousand dollars, people that won't spend less than $5,000 on a watch. And there's people who won't spend more than $40 on a watch. Um, and then there's some people that would never buy a course. And then there's people who, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can keep filling the blanks yeah. on and on and on. And the, the question is, what watch satiates the most amount of people? And it's really hard to design one watch that does enough of that. And maybe and you so, don't want that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, yeah. I feel um, like you've struck a really good balance here, though, between crowdsourcing design ideas, staying true to what you wanted, and finding that middle ground that is seemingly impossible to find by offering a quartz model by offering the mechanical uh, you found a way to balance all that i think really really well that was that was my intention i mean there's there's technically there's eight watches here there's um if you run through all the different combinations you could possibly do there's eight different watches um and so um, it was really trying to, yeah, to really satiate the most amount of people. I think, I think the price was, I mean, for the petrol that the one, it was at 169 was the initial um, tier price. I think that was a fine price. I had like 75 backers, um, which should have been enough. And, um, and, and yet it wasn't um, part of that was my own, target setting was a little bit skewed but um yeah i think the versioning i think that's what I, one of the things i'd like major took away from that experience was i need to create a little bit more version um i think the colors need to be a little tighter together um the petrol the colors were a little bit of an afterthought um i personally am like a black face guy with a little bit of red that is like the that's like every watch I own almost has 2019. A little we can't, bit. We right. can't do blackface anymore. It's 2019, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> right, right. Um, nice. Um, and so, you know, when I designed the petrol, it was that in mind. It was like, okay, I'm going to do this and that, and that's it, and everyone will love it. And then people start saying, like, oh, could you do it in another color than black? I don't like black. Like, could you do it in blue? Could you do it in white? And then it started getting into that like Wikipedia model of, watch design it was like uh it was um can you do another size can you do it in 40 what about 38 and it was like well okay um so i think i felt i kind of stepped back with this one and tried to pre-conceive every question and request that i could possibly think of and then 
figure out how can I satisfy that person um, with their, you know, design choice, uh, color choice, movement choice, price, um, et cetera, to kind of get the most amount of folks excited and uh, offer this thing to the most amount of people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes perfect sense. So my second to last question. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the petrol and it sounds like that's your future project after the Sonoma gets funded that the, the next thing on the horizon is, is redoing the petrol, making those little tweaks to it and, and bringing that to market. Is that, is that, fair to assume that's the that's yeah that's my intent um if the cinema goes well it probably wouldn't be a kickstarter it would probably be a website pre-order okay um and it would probably be some kind of limited batch it may be some uh, kind of the idea float in my head is that i'm gonna create some kind of email you know wish list sign up thing and when that list hits 50 people then i email those 50 people and say deposit the money and you'll get a watch um kind of a thing not not kind of go through the whole kickstarter uh rigmarole rigmarole exactly mm-hmm. all right last one so there's man. a whole lot that goes in that yeah oh I, yeah. I can only imagine but my last question yeah. what's your personal watch collection look like you know it it varies um i mean right now i'm wearing a Probably 1983 Hoyer Coral. If you remember the Coral, it's black Sick. PVD yep. with gold um, gold accents and everything. Um, and it's a pre-tag acquisition, so it doesn't have the tag on it. It has the big Hoyer. Like it's in 38, 38 millimeters. Um, it is a quartz, um, but I really like this watch. Um, and then, you know, I have um, kind of the gamut. I mean, I have like a another watch I wear a lot is I have a, a Garmin Phoenix uh, that I wear when I work out and run and stuff. Um, it's pretty, I mean, people hate on how I'm wearing a GPS digital watch, but tools are know, tools, man. Cool. It's kind of cool. Um, I honestly think that without product placement, James Bond would wear a Garmin if Omega hadn't, you know, definitely paid. Paid for the next ten years of Bond movie watch promo or a Suto or something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense um, in a lot of different ways. So, um, but then you know, like I said, I've owned I've owned a Speedy um, before and and um, loved it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of kind of comes and goes. And I don't have a watch that really means a whole ton to me i didn't have my grandpa didn't hand me down a watch his old rolex that never happened um and so um yeah it kind of just comes and goes with what looks cool at the time and some are like kind of reactionary to each other and something small something large etc so very cool very cool we yeah. actually just pulled up the coral because i, I love that watch I, I really like the hoyer 1000s um, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked on this show about the Hoyer 2000s, that sort of pre-Aqua mm-hmm. racers, but the, something about the 1000 uh, has yeah. increasingly called out to me that just very uh, no-nonsense uh, dive design. You, you know, yeah. sp- in, in particular, their quartz watches from the 80s, I think I think they were really nailing, nailing some of those designs. And, and, and the, the, the legacy of those watches is probably not um right now what it what what it probably will be in 10 years i think five ten years these watches are going to be really hard to find expensive and and fondly uh fondly considered i think right now this is sort of a a moment where if you want to get into those watches it's a great time i agree i'm wearing the thousand the coolest thing about this watch is that the pvd is like rubbing off and on the on the buckle it's like the the Hoyer shield is like um, embossed, so it's raised up off of the clasp, and all of the PVD is gone from the shield oh. itself. It's really cool. Send us it's a like picture of that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Well, I guess you're gonna bang on the table. I'm gonna bang on the table, and man, that okay. was it was much louder than it felt like it should have been. <laughs> and you hit it pretty hard. Well, yeah. So. So at this point, this is the stage of the show where we talk about other things. Everybody knows mm-hmm. that Andrew and I both showed up tonight 
and said, do you have another thing? <laughs> but we We're came so up with bad at stuff. picking other things. Well, it's hard. Usually, like week I said, after week. I said when we did Art of Horology, I usually just hit my recent YouTube and something like my search history comes up and I'm like, sure. oh, yeah, I've been really into that. So um, <laughs> this week, very much like most of the time, my other thing came from moments ago. It is small town dicks. And I don't remember if we've talked about this on the show or not. You, you know, I assume we have. It'd I, be weirder if we hadn't. Yeah. But there's plenty of other things that we've come up with that were, um, we, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Uh, Radio Lab. Like maybe we have, maybe we haven't. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Small Town Dicks is a true crime podcast based on, like, so it's stories told by the detectives and police officers who investigated those cases. They're on with two. Well, there's some some drama there, but up to up through the end of season four, two hosts um, who are both Hollywood types. One of them is the voice of Lisa Simpson. And two identical twin detectives who work for a small town police agency. And they tell stories that they have investigated from small town USA. And it's unique for those of us in the Willamette Valley here yeah. in Oregon because yeah. most of the cases we are in our memory. We, we are familiar with them because that's where they were based out of. Um, like, and it's... They reveal that uh, in like season three, four, when they talk about the Thurston shooting, um, because a lot of these dudes were working it. But anyway, really cool true crime podcast, and it's not just told by like by people who are evaluating the case after the fact. We're talking to the, or they're talking to. We're not. I don't do that. Uh, they're talking to the folks who investigated the cases who were there, and it's it's a really cool perspective to get from, uh, and just a. a a unique perspective that you don't typically get in true crime podcasts. So check out Small Town Dicks if you haven't. I mean, just their new their new season just started, right? Yeah, season five just dropped. We have a bonus episode live and available, and episode one ready to go. A really crazy twist at the end of that episode that you didn't see coming that ties back to a previous episode. And I'll give it away. Uh, basically, what it comes down to... <laughs> spoiler alert. No, spoiler alert. To, so, in this is small town of America. Don't know exactly where it's at. Uh, a home. This family house. Kid murdered his friend. Fast forward several years. I don't know how long. Kid, the, the same house, kid murders their parents had the same bedroom as the previous kid murderer. It's absolutely crazy. I got, I got goosebumps just saying that. It's the yeah. like strangest like horror movie coincidence. That house just needs to be demolished and started over. Yeah. Like the That's actually the house we're in right now. This is It's the, same <laughs> it's the room we're in right now. <laughs> this is that room. Rut row. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh being a, a fellow that uh being a fellow that produces podcasts, um I am keenly aware of what goes into the production of a podcast to that level and, and it's overwhelming to me to even think about having to you know or organize and prepare for and get the interviews in place i mean it's just never mind all the records requests that go into to that's right criminal investigation records i mean come that's on that's right and, and, and you know you can do all that stuff but it's not like uh, you know you and i we spend you know sometimes as much as you know an hour sort of coordinating with guests and and then we will shoot the shit and drink a white claw and and prepare questions for 30 minutes and and then we get on and we have an episode you know we we drop the music in and and we're good to go it's different it's different to to produce a, a podcast at that level, uh, and it blows my mind. It's totally overwhelming. The quality on Small Town Dicks is absolutely incredible, so I love it. I've got another thing. What is it? I've 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 got a I think I've got a good one this week. What is it? There's a show on Showtime, which is a premium channel that it's a little hard to get a hold of, right? You 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 have to pay money for it. Pay money for it. That's right. Uh, but a show called Billions. Uh-oh. 
I've actually been intrigued by that show and have never oh, watched brilliant. it because I don't pay the extra money for Showtime. You, you know, uh, Paul Giamatti is just one of these guys. He's he's not, money. Not particularly attractive. Not fit. He's just uh, like us. He's just a dude, <laughs> and he's such a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. Um, that show is totally mind blowing at mm-hmm. on on at multiple levels. Uh, I really love the characters. Uh, season four has re- been released in the last few weeks, and um, it's wonderful. I, it's one of those shows that I'll like just just sitting there watching it. We'll have this moment and think, you know, uh, how is this so good? How is the <laughs> how is the story pulling me in to this level when it's sort of you know it they recycle themes and they sort of you know it, it's this cycle right where you've got this this conflict cycle you know so conflict resolution conflict resolution um and, and and it's not episodic but but there's that element of episodic conflict and i'm always taken aback at how good the writing is how complex the story is and how well they resolve their various issues i love it if you haven't watched billions can i watch it for freezies on hulu you probably cannot, but I I know a guy with a password that would let you in. So. Yeah, but I don't want to change from mine to yours. It'd be a whole thing. You have a button. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, and so, uh, w- what about you, Jeremy? Do you have another thing? Um, vintage technology, especially uh, consumer technology. So anything with a red LCD screen, just um. I don't know. They're like, it's like, they're not practical. There's no purpose to them. Um, so I'm talking about car phones uh, from the late eighties, early nineties, um, Texas instruments, calculators. Um, so this is what LCD watches. Uh, this is what you're into. Yeah. It's like, I have like, I'm looking at four TI uh, calculators right now. And um, yeah, they're just sitting on my, workbench here um they're super cool i don't know what about them is cool um the fact that they still work is kind of interesting um and uh admirable and uh i don't know something about just the kind of the burgeoning days of technology you know back in the late mid to late 70s um is where these things kind of started um and uh i don't know is there a chance they're way more expensive than they're than they're worth i mean like there's no purpose to have these. I mean, they're like, like they're less of a purpose than like having a watch collection, you know, like, like I don't need a calculator that is red LCD. I mean, they're relatively cheap, like 20, 20 to 30 bucks. But at the same time, like my phone has a calculator. I mean, why do I need a calculator? You know, I don't use them for actually calculating anything, but they're just cool to look at. They're like, I don't know. They're just cool. Is there any chance that there's a uh, good speed, digital on the horizon you know i thought about it i thought about how is there a way to do digital but not i don't know but be cool about it i mean you've, you guys have probably seen the the computron that's come out the yes. kind of throwback we've talked about so it. yeah so i mean that's I super cool one. um yeah i mean it's you know they're cool um i will say if you are looking at getting a red lcd do not buy one that does not like work like out of the like if they say like may work, just may need a battery. It doesn't need a battery. It's broken. <laughs> it, it needs it needs a whole new watch. It needs yeah. <laughs> I've I've got like twenty LCD watches that the person said may need a battery and it does not. Work oh, you're my hero, at, man. There's no at, sort at like of some re- point. Oh, sorry. At one point, there's there's a couple brands. They take two batteries, like two watch batteries, and if you put them in backwards, it fries the circuit board and they're dead. There, there's, there's no, no like resoldering the pins or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know if there is. There's the secret. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, so, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite piece? A favorite piece of digital technology from the late seventies, early eighties? Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's a um, Belova. It's called. It was called the. I believe it's called the Big Block, and um, it's not that big. I mean, it's thirty eight millimeters which was big, I guess, um, in 1976 when this thing came out. Um, so if you Google Boulevard Big Block, it was gold and um, 
pretty cool. The other thing is these these watches eat up batteries like crazy, so they're not always on. You had to push a button uh-huh. to show oh, the time. Oh, this thing is um, so cool. Yeah, the like you have ring. one of these. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that is cool. The, yeah, it's really cool. It looks like one of those uh, pulsar. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like one of those pulsar watches. Well, well, very cool, uh, Jeremy. Uh, I'd like to give you, you know, thirty seconds or so just to sort of wrap on on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we're sort of back in time, but um, go ahead and plug your go ahead and plug your Kickstarter and just take take thirty seconds to to tell the people what they need to hear. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I appreciate it. Um, you know, the Good Speed Snow is coming out in a few days. Kickstarter, October 7th. Uh, that's California time. Time itself has not been released yet, but uh, the day is the October 7th. Uh, we're offering two, two uh, movement choices, quartz and mechanical, and at two price points, 135 and 275 to start. And it goes up about 10% per um tier after that so it's still really affordable um and uh coins are limited to 400 of each movement and um you know i'm available uh via email uh info at goodspeedwatches.com we have a website at www.goodspeedwatches.com and then obviously instagram at goodspeedwatches so i appreciate um appreciate the time guys well, very cool. Thank you for coming, Jeremy. And, and we, yeah, we yeah, appreciate you coming on and we appreciate your time. Andrew, do you have anything else before we wrap up? Thanks for sharing this watch with us, man. I was blown away. Yeah, I appreciate me, it. Me yeah. too. Yeah, great, great job. We're really excited to, to see this one come out. Um, I guess that's it. I guess we wrap. Thank you for joining right, us cool. for this episode of 40 and 20. Uh, feel yeah, free to perfect. check us Thank out. You. Thanks, guys. Feel free to check us out at 40 and 20 on instagram uh also if you want to support 40 and 20 patreon.com slash 40 and 20 that's always how uh we get the most money for the for the show to to pay for subscription fees hosting and whatnot and we really appreciate everybody who's on there and and we'd love to have you if you wanted to come check out goodspeed watches at goodspeed watches on instagram or goodspeedwatches.com don't forget to tune back in next thursday for another hour of watches food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.